Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. We will be talking with Mark Schaefer. He is the CEO of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, and we're talking about marketing rebellion. What's marketing rebellion? Well, more on that in just a minute, but uh, first, let's get into Mark. If you're not already familiar with Mark, I'm really excited to be the one that gets to introduce him to you. He's a uh, globally recognized author, speaker, podcaster, business consultant. He blogs at the Grow blog. Uh, check it out in the show notes. It's one of the top five marketing blogs in the world. He also teaches a graduate marketing class at Rutgers University and has written eight best-selling books. Yes, eight of them. One of his books uh, we'll be talking about today. That's his new book, Marketing Rebellion. And in it, Mark explores the idea that the most human company wins. At least that's kind of my interpretation of, of what he's talking about there. But I don't know why we're even listening to me. We have Mark Schaefer on the show today, and uh, we can get the, the scoop on, on Marketing Rebellion directly from him. Mark, thank you for joining us. Thanks for thinking of me. It's a delight to be here. So I have to say, I'm not starstruck on the podcast very often. I'll try to keep it uh, <laughs> professional and together, but <laughs> I am in love with your blog, with your podcast, with your events. Um, just listening to your voice and you sound so personable and then seeing you and you look so professional, uh, you're, you're one hell of a marketing package, Mark. Well, thank you. You're making me blush. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been called one hell of a marketing package. So it's a new tagline a, for you. A, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to charge me for that. Well, you can have that one for free. Uh, we'll see how the show goes though. All right. So for the people who aren't already deeply aware of who you are, can you give us kind of a brief explanation outside of the intro that I just gave kind of, of, I guess more what your company does and what you do there? Sure, sure. Well, I, I, I do a lot. Um, you know, my main uh, gigs really are marketing consulting. What, what I'm really, really good at is strategy. So, you know, I, I normally don't engage with companies for extended periods of time. I will go in, figure out what's going wrong and help give them some direction on their, on their marketing strategy. And that could include content, social media, you know, digital whatever. I'm also a keynote uh, speaker. Um, that has, uh, that part of my life has increased a lot, primarily, I think, because of the popularity of, of the books. You mentioned, you know, my books and, um, you know, the, the books have really taken off and they've become very, very popular. They're even used in a lot of um, uh, college classes as marketing uh, textbooks. And then, as you mentioned, I, I teach at, at Rutgers University. That's sort of a small part of what I do. I, I'm an adjunct professor and I just go up there a couple of times a year, but I really, really enjoy that. So that's, I think if I had to sum it up, it's, it's I'm, I'm a teacher in my heart. I mean, I, whether I'm on a stage, whether I'm writing a book, whether I'm on my podcast, I, I view it as teachable moments. I've had a great career, a great education, lots of, lots of amazing experiences, and I'm just at a good point in my life to send the elevator back down and, and help people and teach people. I'd like to, your books, you've written eight books. Yeah. Some people have written 30 books and you say, okay, this guy just, you know, craps out pamphlets kind of. <laughs> yeah. And then some people have one book and you think, oh, this was really difficult and they got somebody to ghostwrite it for them. So they'd have, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, they have it on their resume. Eight books, you know, titles like Return of Influence, Book on Influencer Marketing, the Dow of Twitter, all on Twitter, obviously. Content code on content. Um, known about personal brand building. Uh, and then now Marketing Rebellion and three others that I am behind on. I should probably just look at your bookshelf behind you. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good resume of books. They almost seem like children kind of where you've got, you know, there's a good amount. Do you plan on continuing to just, to just put out a book every well, couple of years? You know, they just happen when they happen? They, they happen when they happen. And, um, you know, I think, you know, writing a book, um, you know, my books certainly are not pamphlets and, and my books certainly are not, you know, uh, there's no agenda behind them. Um, 
it's that when I see a problem that I don't understand, I get obsessed with it. And, um, you know, when I see problems that my customers are having and my students are having, and I just can't figure out what's going on, I kind of just go down this rabbit hole. And when I come out, I've got a book. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really the key idea, Sky, because, you know, writing a book is just such an enormous commitment. It is, it, it, it's so much work. And I think anybody that, that reads my books will know that, um, you know, I just put everything I've got into it. There's a, there's a tremendous amount of research. I mean, the writing is, is, is great. It's entertaining. There's lots of inspiring stories. There's no fluff. Um, you know, it's not one of these kind of books where you have one idea and then you tell 200 stories right. to support it. I mean, how do I stretch this into a book? Yeah. Kind of a I mean, there's, I mean, I cut my books back. I mean, I, I, I cut, oh, I don't know how many, you know, I think I cut, oh, I don't know, 13,000 words off out of my last book. Because is, there just, a, um, is there a director's cut where we can get the one with all those extra words? Kind of. <laughs> on, my, on my site, what I, I'm giving away a workbook that goes with the book. So if you buy Marketing Rebellion, there's a link in there that you can click on the link. You can find a page on my site, and there's lots of free things I'm giving away. There's a free workbook. It has bonus content and a study guide. Um, there is um, uh, a uh, actually a hand-drawn coloring book <laughs> that goes with the book. Um, there's a neat hand-drawn and hand-colored um, little poster called the Human-Centered uh, Marketing Manifesto, which a lot of people have loved and shared. So, you know, again, I'm just trying to, create everything I can to help people and teach people and, and maybe even hopefully give them something that they love so much. They'll talk about the book. Yeah. I think one of the things that I feel like, again, I'm going to try to keep making you blush. Um, <laughs> one of the things that really attracts me to you and this, this latest book, human centered marketing, just a general concept of it mm -hmm. um, really seems to speak to that is an authenticity. Mm -hmm. A lot of marketers, the job really is to find out, what's the newest thing and ride that and then drive it into the ground. And then it's kind of like, a, you know, a lot of people write books like a diet book the next year. They're like, okay, last year I wrote about this diet. What's, mm -hmm. what can I try to make the diet this year mm -hmm. rather than actually finding a solution to actually solving a problem? Mm -hmm. um, your writing just seems so much more authentic. Like you were saying, you, you found a problem, you want to address it, you want to pick it apart and, and solve it for people. And this human-centered marketing thing seems to be, uh, like all of your books, kind of right, right on the edge of what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think, that's, I think that's, that's sort of what I'm becoming known for is usually when I write a book, it's like two years ahead of its time. <laughs> so you mentioned I wrote Return on Influence. That was the first book on influencer marketing. I wrote that in 2012. Nobody was even talking about influence marketing then. And, you know, I predicted at the end of the book, I said, in two years, this is going to be a mainstream marketing channel. You might not be talking about it now, but look at how the power is shifting. This is where we're going to go. And I, you know, I was right. You know, I, I think I had similar sort of prescient ideas with, with content code, with known, the personal branding book. And and also with Marketing Rebellion, I mean, there's some very uncomfortable and provocative ideas in there. And, um, you know, I thought that there actually could be a backlash on the book. But that's not what happened. I mean, people have really embraced it. They say, Mark, we can see these changes happening. You're giving a name to it. And it sort of liberates us because now we know what we need to focus on, what we really need to do as, as marketers. So it is a very forward thinking book. And, um, you know, I'm glad it, it, it hasn't made too many people uncomfortable. It seems to be inspiring people. And you know, the most rewarding thing of all is that it really is changing things. I mean, I get, I've been getting notes from people saying, we're building our entire marketing strategy on your book. It's like, wow. I hope I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right back. Warning. Okay. Okay. Hold off. I don't want to be, 
You yeah. can credit me if it works, but don't come knocking if uh, if it falls apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the human-centered marketing part, um, I've I've been thinking a lot about this this concept uh, or related concepts recently, and in in my industry in particular, in a lot of martech companies, we see what I feel like is capitalism working when you have mm -hmm. a, an actual market. The eventually the consumers end up winning is kind of what capitalism is designed for mm -hmm. unless you, it's, it's why we don't have monopolies and you try to bust those. If you have enough companies competing, mm -hmm. they de keep developing a product till it gets to its optimum kind of product. And then what else is there to compete on price? So you get the best price for the consumers and then it's really customer service. Mm -hmm. You just really you get back to the consumer then and reaching out to the consumer and maybe you try to lock down a brand and build a moat around that and whatnot. But the human part seems like that's where you end up when all the other things that can make you unique have been commoditized. I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, you know, I think um, uh, there was a, a quote I read recently. I, I can't remember where I saw it or, or, or who said it, but it was something like advertising is what happens when you fail to have an emotional connection with your customers. And, um, you know, I, I always love Steve Jobs' definition of a brand. A brand is, is trust. It's like the ultimate emotional connection. And one of the failures, the, you know, the biggest failure really that I point out in my book is that marketers have become too obsessed with, with marketing and, and, and MarTech. And it's not because mark, you know, technology is bad that we're failing. It's because technology is so good. I mean, it's great. It's amazing. We have it and, now. Yeah. And it's so, you know, it's, it's intoxicating and it's fun and it's interesting. It's evolving and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so cheap uh, and so effective, but we've, but, but many of the ways we're using this now is, is we're abusing customers. You know, we've turned our technology into robocalls. Right. We've turned our technology into spam. We've turned our technology into lead nurturing, which is just a gentle way of saying, we're going to keep spamming you until you block us. <laughs> and, um, so we're using technology in ways that customers hate. And that is really the source of, of the rebellion today. We're trying to control customers. We're trying to manipulate customers. We're trying to force them into some sales funnel. We're trying to, con you know, we're, we're creeping them out by following them everywhere on the internet. And we see the elements of this rebellion brewing right before our eyes. There are 650 million devices in the world now that have ad blocking on them. This is easily the largest civil rebellion in the history of the world. And customers are saying, stop it. Stop interrupting me. Stop you know, showing me this crap. I can't stand it. And the advertising industry's response is, how do we get around these ad blockers? and show people more ads, which right. is the dumbest possible response you could ever have. It's an arms race of marketing, right? Rather than providing something of value, yeah. they're getting into an arms so, race. I mean, I think I, I start the book out in chapter one with a little bit of a history lesson to demonstrate that every single time in you know the 150 year history of advertising and marketing, every time we try to you know, abuse and take advantage of our customers, they rebel and they win every single time. So we got to get ahead of this. You know, the, the latest thing is the whole backlash on privacy and the cookies, right? The, you know, the, the tracking ads. And, you know, uh, Apple's backed away from it. Firefox backed away from it. Now Google's backed away from it. Advertisers are going ballistic. We got to get ahead of it. Because if you're doing things that customers hate, it will go away. So we need to get in front of this and instead connect with people in ways where we're actually serving them, where we're adding, you know, where we're serving these constant human 
needs that our customers are crying out for uh, instead of spamming them with our product. Right. So you're talking a lot about human interaction. And one of the concerns I have around that is still the majority of marketers are looking for the loophole to mm-hmm. mass market, the loophole to, you know, to automate things. And mm-hmm. we're going to have, we have all this technology now. We have AI coming on board. Mm-hmm. And a huge concern of mine is, you know, the popularity now of authenticity of your company's why. I see mm-hmm. a post from somebody on LinkedIn the other day that I really respect, but they're talking about, uh, saying, you know, if your company doesn't have a, a purpose, then it, you're not a real company. I'm thinking, well, it's okay for your purpose to be to build the best XYZ at the best price for your customer. It doesn't have to mm. necessarily be a charity. It seems like every company is trying to grab on to some higher cause yeah. for its company. And it's really, I'm, I'm worried marketers are going to ruin authenticity. They're going to create so much misinformation around it that the actual people who really believe in something are, are suspect and and no longer trusted. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right because marketers have a tendency to flock to what's ever popular until they ruin it. And in this case, the thing that they're going to ruin is purpose. And, you know, it's, it's a dichotomy and, and somewhat of an enigma because first of all, Purpose and meaning are, are, are crucially important. You know, in the marketing world, in the business world, I have an entire chapter in my book, Marketing Rebellion, about that topic because the research shows all this stuff that we think is creating loyalty, like, you know, customer engagement and, you know, branded content, it's not. There, you know, loyalty is, is in a free fall. It's in decline. Only eight, only 13% of our customers are loyal, according to research from McKinsey and Accenture. And McKinsey has a clue in this. They said the reason that loyalty is in decline is because we've lost our focus in marketing. It used to be on creating this emotional connection to our consumers, and now it's on technology. We've lost sight of what's uh, important. And so now the one thing that they that we found is the one thing that does truly create loyalty is shared meaning. And we see this a lot in branding today where companies are taking a stand, sometimes a controversial stand, not always, but they're showing what they stand for. And the reason they're doing this and it's a very calculated move is because before we ex- can expect our customers to be loyal to us. We have to show that we're loyal to them, even if it hurts. Right. And, but if you do that, then you really will, you, you have the opportunity to create amazing long-term loyalty. Now, I guess my concern in it is not every company has to have a why. That's not right. Every company has You're to have a You're absolutely right. And but I'm we're cons- all being told you have to. So we I go know. out and manufacture one. And then and- that drives me crazy. I don't, I mean, I've written about this several times. Those people are giving dangerous advice, dangerous advice. I mean, sometimes you, know, you just want a hamburger because it tastes good. Or you right. want a car wash because it's close to your house. And if sometimes you, you just make a hamburger because right. your parents owned a hamburger joint and you yeah. inherited it. And this is what you do in your family. Right. And I mean, and if, if, if you think of the thousands of products you buy in a year, how many of them do you see branded content from? How many of them do you know what they stand on any particular issue? Point, point, you know, 0.0001%. It's, you know, market, marketing is getting into this whole era of navel gazing. And part <laughs> of it is because we're under attack. The role of CMO is under attack. The role of marketing is under attack. So we're trying to like pretend we're more important than we are by focusing on this, you know, purpose thing. So I think I want to go back to the navel gazing for the listeners. Yeah. I, I, we don't have to go all the way into it right now, but I believe yeah. you went deep into this on one of your podcast episodes on kind of what navel, navel gazing oh, well, is. You know, it's, it it's, 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 yeah, maybe a lot of people don't know that term. It's sort of like a, you know, like a hippie t- term, you know, from the 60s where people would get 
high on drugs and they would, you know, turn on and tune in and they would see, you know, the, the roots of the universe in their navel, you know, and it, it's kind of become sort of a generic term that characterizes, you know, intense focus on something that's really not there. And I think in marketing, we're turning into this world of where it's, it, you know, it's woke washing. You know, we want to be more woke than the other company right. to the point where you're right. Nobody believes you anyway. And you, I had a thing recently, the Super Bowl recently, right? There was a company yeah. where the guy said, you know what? I'm not going to do a regular Super Bowl commercial. I really love dogs. And there's this dog cancer research place. And so I'm going to do a commercial just for them. And my, because of what marketing has done on yeah. causes and on purpose, my immediate thought was, oh, that's a great PR move by this guy. He's just, yeah. he's saying, if I spend $6 million on a Super Bowl commercial, I can get a Super Bowl commercial. Or if I do it for this cause and pretend I care about this, yeah. I'll get 10 times as much exposure because I'm not doing it for my company. My I, had company this, will- I had the same reaction. Didn't, I did, I yeah, didn't believe it. Yeah, it seems authentic. The guy seems yeah. like he's actually, but it sucks that that's our first reaction. Like anybody who's up to actually cares about something, marketers, I, I always say it on this podcast, we ruin everything. Yeah, we've, we've, done, it, we've done it to ourselves. We really have. <laughs> that said, I love marketing. <laughs> but, but, I, but, I, but I address that, you know, um, forth, forthrightly in the book to say that, you know, today, you know, here, here's, this is a perfect example. Who did that ad? Do you remember? No. Was it Airbnb or something? No, the one uh, for the dog. Dog one, yeah. It was a company, and the one thing that makes me say I think it was yeah. authentic is they the commercial didn't push the company. It wasn't uh, constantly talking yeah. about how good they are. Well, they had the oh, company at the end, are. but ironically, I can't remember who it is. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a lesson there. So either it was a poorly done PR, or the guy really did just want to promote this um, donating. I don't believe cause. that for a minute. <laughs> I don't. I mean, if you're look, look, you know what. Give the $6 million to the charity. I had that thought too, yeah. Don't buy the freaking ad, you know? Give it to the charity. Let's be honest. It's, 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 it's a game. And, you know, I, I, I address this in the book that today you, you can't be, you know, in, in a community. You have to be of a community. People aren't going to believe you anymore unless you show up you know, be here, you know, show up, show me how you're helping me and my life and my, you know, and my community. Right. And if you're making hamburgers, you don't have to create a hamburger lovers group on Facebook. You can just make hamburgers. Like you don't have to have a community. If that is what you are, it is what you are. And if not, it's okay. Don't buy into every marketing gimmick that you have to have the higher purpose, the why, the this, the that, like not every marketing, I guess, thing is for everyone. It goes back yeah. to the books. Somebody writes a book and they have to say, everybody has to do this when really maybe it's, Hey, there's a percentage of people that might want to consider this. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm, I, I, in the, in the very first, I, I, th- I don't think it's even in the first chapter. I think it's like in the preface or the introduction. I say, look, I am not going to tell you what to do. I never tell you what to do, but what I want to do is open your eyes and open your mind to some new realities of the world and let you choose the path you want to go on because, you know, things are changing a lot in the world. I would say um, right before we go to break here, one of the things I love about your podcast, and I will again, continue to try to make you blush on this show, (laughs) but I'd say people listening to, uh, to us here, if you're going to listen to two marketing podcasts, listen to Mark's first and then listen to this one. You guys seem to cover talk topics, not from a, here's how you do account-based marketing. We do a lot of that here, but you're much more about the general ideas over there than saying you have to do this, you have to do that. It's really discussing the stuff conceptually. And, and I love the way you guys pull that off over there. Obviously you have so much knowledge it, it takes in order to do that. Not just anyone can get down and, and talk that way about this kind of stuff. Um, hour after hour, free content for everybody listening. So uh, thank you. You know, again, fantastic show. I want to jump to break real quick. After the break, let's get more kind of meat and potatoes into into the marketing rebellion, your book, and the the human centered marketing aspect of of that. I'm taking off my if you market podcast hat here 
and put on my Mountaintop Data hat to tell you about Mountaintop Data's new top data search tool. It is the easiest way to access quality targeted lists for your marketing. You can sign up for a free account on mountaintopdata.com. Use the coupon code MARK1000. That's uh, for Mark on this episode here. And uh, get a thousand free record credits. Uh, there's no cost to have an account, no annual contracts, no BS basically. Get an account and check it out today. You can also test the top data search tool out without an account at tds.mountaintopdata.com slash public slash count tool. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. We have Mark Schaefer here with us today, the CEO of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, talking about his latest book, uh, Marketing Rebellion and the human-centered uh, marketing topic. Mark, I'd really like to get back in the book. We've been kind of straying all over as we do on this podcast. Can you help center me and, uh, and, and give me kind of, uh, give the listeners, I guess, some, some bullet points on, on what's in here and the general concept outside of human-centered marketing? Well, sure. Um, and just, you know, before you do, um, you know, before your break, you did mention my, my podcast. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my co-host, uh, Brooke Sellis. I don't, I don't do it on, on my own. And I just wanted to acknowledge the, her creativity and energy that really make it a, a great show. So I think the center idea of the Marketing Rebellion book is you look a lot of the traditional things we've held onto in marketing are starting to fade away, like advertising and PR spin and how we, how we currently use technology and sales funnels and even things we sort of like cherish, like, like trust and loyalty. And the, the new revelation I think is that the customer is the marketer. There's research in the book, that shows that um, two thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. So you're talking about word of mouth marketing, like Steve Jobs putting the logo on the product. Word of mouth, social media, could be reviews, could be um, uh, you know influencers, and a lot. I know a lot of people roll their eyes when I say influencers, but I mean, really, influencers are, are just friends. Right. And, and when so, I talk at a party to people about, you got to yeah. listen to this podcast that Mark Schaefer does. That's, yeah. I'm not an, quite an influencer, but it's, it's me to them. I'm an influencer. Well, somebody right. they know and trust. I mean, everybody is an influencer to somebody and even, you know, even celebrities and stars, we have this emotional connection to them. And, um, and that's what good branding is all about. We've built many of our big companies today through, advertising impressions but advertising is going away we don't I mean people don't see ads like they used to we've got people are watching their television on netflix on amazon prime we're listening to our music through spotify no ads there aren't ads in our news stream anymore and so the whole idea of traditional advertising is is being disintermediated and the it brands seems- of the future will be built on human impressions, not advertising impressions. It seems like you're talking about like a higher level of marketing almost that's uh, beyond paid advertising, but a viral marketing that's, that's not a forced viral. It's not a easy to click viral, but people actually believe in this product. So they, so they talk about it kind of a viral word of mouth Mm -hmm. is I mean, it's when you have a candidate for an election and they're really good, the other candidate can outspend them 10 to one and you just can't get traction. It doesn't matter how much you market yourself because mm-hmm. the word of mouth being spread about the other person is so strong. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, Roy Rogers. Um, he has a quote. I'm not going to quote him exactly, but the general concept is that if your product, and he was a humorist and I disagree with his quote, but mm-hmm. I, I think it might come around. If your product's good, you don't have to market it. They say, mm-hmm. oh, people spend so much on advertising. If they'd spend half of that on their product, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have to advertise. And I say, I don't know, if you spent that money on your product and on your marketing, maybe you wouldn't have to sell. People would just come and buy it. But I feel mm-hmm. like you still have to get the word out, even if getting the yeah. word out is just word of mouth. That's still marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem I see with a lot of uh, startups and small businesses today is that they're, they're too in love with their product. 
they think, oh, this is so great. I love this so much. It'll sell itself. People will inherently just see how great it is and buy it. And that just doesn't work. And if it's unique, it does. I mean, you have patents. If you have a patented product that people well, really maybe need, or maybe you can not. sell it. I mean, there've been plenty of patent, patented products that are in the dustbins of history. Right. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur today or, or if you're a founder, you know, if you've got a startup, you've got to bake in a marketing plan right into the very heart and soul of your business. And it's got to be part of your product. It's got to be part of your team. It's got to be part of your strategy because if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. You may have a product that you're in love with, but if you don't have a business, you know, you, you've got to have, you've got to have customers. So putting in a lot of late nights doesn't make a business. You still have to actually have customers. You do. You do. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. I took us on a little uh, sidetrack there. So back to the, uh, the human centered marketing. Um, it, it seemed like you were getting around to word of mouth being the, this is what it is kind of. Well, I mean, I, so the first part of the book sort of goes into, well, here's the problem. Here's the reality of our day. And this is why most marketing isn't working like it used to. And then I go into, well, where, where are customers today? And you know, what do they want? And I give lots of case studies of companies who are doing marketing in, in very, very different ways, really you know, celebrating the customer. You, you mentioned this idea that you know, most companies say, okay, our marketing has to start with our why or our narrative or the arc of our story. And the truth is people really don't care. They care about their why. They care about their story. And, uh, and so marketing as we knew it and loved it 10 years ago has sort of been flipped on its head. So I go through a series of case studies to show, look, this is where customers really are today. They want to be loved. They want to be acknowledged. They want to belong. They want to find meaning. And this is how companies are actually trying to do that. And then I get into some practical tactics and they're practical tactics with every, with at the end of every single chapter. But then I get really into, okay, what kind of marketing does work today? And I, you know, I start getting into things like experiential marketing, getting into, you know, word of mouth marketing. Right. Um, in the, um, in the music industry, it used to be have a, have a record label and you get signed and you, uh, they sell a ton of records for you. You make an album and now really music, it seems like has gone this way in that everything got turned on its head and you have to go out and create experiences and actually tour and get in front of people. And then maybe you sell some records also, but maybe the records are actually just there or, or discs or MP3s or whatever you're selling uh, to promote your tours. And that's where mm -hmm. they're, they're making the money actually being in front of people. Well, that's really the only way to make money today. Speaking as, as uh, someone who has a child in the music business, uh, you know, you, 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 there's a famous quote, you know, by, by Taylor Swift that said in, in the, you used to have a record contract and then they would help you build your fans. But today you have to have, you have to have your fans, then you get a record contract. If you have a big enough Twitter following, you can cut an album. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Which is, you know, probably my next career path. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> okay. So you were saying you've got takeaways every chapter, kind of how to do this, um, mm -hmm. how to apply it, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It seems like a lot of what we're talking about is really specific to the certain types of companies. Are you, is this book geared to a certain industry or type of company or is it general enough that it applies to most everyone or are there different rules for different types of companies? Well, you know, uh, geez, that's a big question. I would say that the book is certainly general enough that, I mean, these are high level marketing trends and consumer truths. So, you know, the research that I cite from McKinsey is drawn from like 90 different industries. There's research in there from Accenture that studied, you know, 200,000 customer journeys. So, I mean, it's not super, super granular. Um, I would say many of the stories in the book are B2C. 
but the irony is I think it almost works better in B2B where relationships still sort of um, matter. We haven't used it up yet. Yeah, we haven't ruined the concept uh, yet in B2B. We haven't uh, overused yeah. it. That's because we're usually five years behind B2C, but yep. um, but that's where my heart is really in, in, in B2B. Now, I think one of the challenges is that the, 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 the consumer world that we live in today is better served by small to medium sized companies, by SMBs, um, because they're more nimble, because typically the founder of the company is the face of the brand. And um, so I was, as I was doing research for the book, I, I talked to a researcher in New York and we were talking about some of these trends. It's almost like you said about the Super Bowl ad, right? So this great big company takes up, spends $6 million on this Super Bowl ad to say, give, you know, money to this dog charity. And everybody's Let's going, raise half a million dollars for this dog charity. Yeah, right. <laughs> and everybody's going, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Now, if you're the founder of a small company and you're out in the community and you're giving a talk at a chamber of commerce meeting, they're going to believe you 100% because you are the face of the company. The personal brand is the brand. We don't believe ads. We don't believe all this woke washing stuff. We believe each other. We believe people. We believe founders. We believe executives. We believe technical experts. We believe our friends and family. We believe each other. That's why the subtitle of my book is The Most Human Company Wins. So your favorite local businesses, you probably know the owner. Maybe you've you know, been at a party with the owner. Who's the person that you love at Verizon? Who's the person you love at Delta Airlines? Right. There isn't anybody. Then you have some big companies where I feel like the, the face of the company, if you look at Elon Musk, yeah. um, it's, it's almost a perfect like example. He's a, the fact that he seems like a flawed individual sometimes, yeah. Um, not a perfect PR sculpted person. I, I don't know. I like and trust the guy. He seems like he's actually putting himself out there who yeah. he is rather than some finely polished thing. He's just throwing yeah, stuff out a, there and he's, sometimes he's people don't like being. it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just you know, the subtitle of my book is the most human company wins. That's why Tesla has higher market value than Ford motor company. Right. Who and they dip sometimes. He smokes a joint on a podcast and their stock yeah. goes way down. But you're yeah. like, hey, this is a real guy. Like, yes, yeah. I can uh, I can That's trust right. him. I mean, he's he's yeah, he's he's real. He's authentic. You could point to someone like, you know, Richard Branson. Hmm. You point to someone like Steve Jobs, you know, and, and this is it, it reinforces my point. Exactly. The personal brand is the brand. And that's really hard for big companies to do and really easy for small companies to do. And I think what we're seeing is the way that big companies are adjusting to this is by buying up the small companies. They can't compete. Mm. So, so they're, they're buying the small brand recognition. Yes. That's oh, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then the small you know, brands and, want nothing more than the big brand recognition and they're getting yeah. bought for their small brand recognition. Yeah. And I mean, then, then, you know, the big brands may screw them up. Who knows? But that's what's happening, you know, every single day, you know, just start to be aware of this and watch the news. You know, Procter & Gamble is buying small, you know, small soap companies, small skincare companies. Campbell Soup just bought an organic, you know, natural soup company in California. Coca-Cola just bought um, a quirky Mexican soft drink that's popular in Texas, right? Um, you, so they're buying up the artisanal brands. They're buying up the local brands because they can't become that. Right. Their model is built on mass broadcasting and mass advertising, and that's going away. Right. So if Coca-Cola rolls into a small town in Texas and says, hey, we got this new brand made just for you. We love you guys. People aren't buying it. They're not buying it or right. buying it. Right. Right. Yeah. So you got to, if you can't beat them, buy them. <laughs> you, you buy them until people figure out that that's not really who you are anymore. And then you buy the next uh, small popular one. Is that bad? I mean, is that, 
is that a good thing for companies, for marketing, for brands, when a big brand buys a small brand just for its small brand recognition? Well, I mean, I mean the, the answer to every question in marketing is it depends. Um, I think, look, I think the smartest marketers, if I was sitting at Procter & Gamble today or I was sitting at Coca-Cola, you know, the first thing I would do is read Mark Schaefer's book. Then after I read Mark Schaefer's book, <laughs> I would say, look, you know, this guy, he makes some pretty good points here. How are we going to compete? We can't do it with these leg the legacy brands are dying. You know, uh, all the So then you'd say, now we need to hire this Mark Schaefer guy and find out more. Well, that goes but without But then saying. after that. <laughs> that goes without saying. But, um, you know, the, the, the legacy brands are dying. The artisanal brands are thriving. And the, the, the big, you know, CPG companies are are. Are, are struggling. The big ad agencies are having wave after wave of layoff. And so they've got to adjust. So I think what's the benefit to a big company? Well, we can continue to grow by, you know, buying up companies that really are meeting, you know, customer needs. And as long as we kind of let them do their thing, you know, we should be okay. Look for a small company. Now you've got the resources of so someone like, Procter and Gamble or Coca-Cola behind you, you've got all this expertise. You know, you've got this gigantic IT department. You've got this gigantic ability to, you know, buy, you know, media purchases. So there's, you know, immediately, you know, you're going to be, uh, have access to uh, amazing resources. So theoretically it can be good. It can be healthy, you know, as long as the major brands recognize what are the core competencies of this brand? How right. is this brand building that emotional connection with their audience? Now, whatever we do, we cannot screw that up. So sometimes they buy a small company and then either intentionally to crush it or they buy it and then just the weight of their brand crushes it. They come in and they think like, yeah, we're going to let you do what you do, yeah. but yeah. we're yeah. going to apply all of our stuff on top of it and they end up with, with their product at the end, not be what they bought. Yeah, I mean, we saw the same thing happen in the beer industry in the 90s where, um, you know, everybody drank, you know, a couple big national brands and then all of a sudden the microbrewer movement started to gain ground and that now every city, sometimes every neighborhood has their own microbrewery. So what did Anheuser-Busch do? They started buying up microbreweries, right? Right. So um, as long as you in, let them keep brewing, that's right. And they're still the microbrewery. But if you start just shipping your own stuff in from a larger factory, right. You've crushed it. You ruined it. Yeah. You so, just I bought mean, the label. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think it can be a good strategy. Okay. I feel like we're running out of time. I have a handful of more things I want to get to. Um, big one here. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to, I want to drive people to, to you that aren't obviously already there to your blog, your, your website, your podcast, all that kind of stuff. Um, quick question for you though. A lot of marketing channels out there. You're really deep in this stuff. Do you have a favorite marketing channel? Are you a huge Twitter fan, Facebook fan, LinkedIn, billboards? What, what do you like? Well, um, you know, my, I mean, really so a social media presence begins with content. Um, you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, those are really distribution channels. So my main source of content um, that, you know, it was sort of how I started and where I spent a lot of my time is blogging. You know, blogging is my best way to express myself. And then um, seven years ago, I started the podcast, Marketing Rebellion, or excuse me, Marketing Companion, which I started with Tom Webster. And then last year, Brooke Sellis took over as co-host. And, you know, I mean, arguably, I've got more loyal fans right now for the podcast, even than the blog. Um, so, but those are my two main properties. You know, I, of course, I write books. Um, now, in terms of where I share that content, the channel that I get the most traction with right now is LinkedIn. You're a B2B guy and it's a B2B I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a B2B yeah. guy. You know, I, I have done projects for Chipotle and Haynes 
and uh, you know, a big insurance company. So, I mean, I definitely have done some stuff in B2C, but you do have, you have a big consumer background. You do a ton of work for consumers and yet you talk about being a B2B guy a lot. I'm starting to get suspicious here, Mark. Well, just that's, I mean, I grew up in a big metals and mining company and you know, that's, that's just really what I, I, I love. Um, so LinkedIn, I, be, I get a lot of traction on LinkedIn and that's one of the few places left where if you do good work, LinkedIn will share your story. You know, they'll send it into open waters, right? You know, you can, you can get your information out beyond your normal audience. It's not like that, that, Facebook, you write a post to your friends and only half of them even see it because they're, yeah, they're if, yeah, if measuring that. who gets to see what and yeah. restricting stuff. It's so weird. Yeah. And Twitter is ephemeral. And uh, it, you know, I, I like Twitter and, and Twitter is a lot of fun. I've got a soft spot for Twitter. Um, I don't do a huge amount of video. You know, I probably need to do more, but it just gets down to a matter of I, I can never, ever get to a point where I get so busy that it jeopardizes the quality of my content. The production uh, is, you guys have amazing production on your podcast, by the oh, way. Thanks. Um, it blows me away. Every time I listen to it, I feel like I should quit podcasting because yours is so good. Sometimes you can be so good at something you make other people not want to try it. Cause I'm like, I could never do that. I can never do what Mark's doing over there. Why am I even trying? But for well, us, it's just, content. Just like you yeah, said, we do yeah, podcasting just, for content. Yeah, you just you just have to be yourself, and you know have the courage to to share your own story and put your own personality into it. Uh, you know, a big part of my personality is I love thinking about trends. I love thinking about what's next. I like looking at what's going on in the world and thinking about, oh, that's interesting. How can that be applied to, you know, marketing? How's that going to impact marketing and sales? And so that's what I love. And I'm just lucky that there's a lot of other people that like to hear me talk about it. And I've got an amazing co-host who likes talking about that too. And we also have some fun along the way. We, 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 we make ourselves laugh on every, on every show. So I, I, I really look forward to it. I think we talked about this a little bit off the air, but let's keep talking about, about yeah. your podcast. I think you guys do an amazing job there. Anybody listening to this that wishes there was a version of this that was a little more entertaining and a little better produced, again, check out Mark's podcast. It's awesome. We don't mind being second or third place. Um, but you guys do such an amazing job there. It's almost like you're talking about if you love, if you geek out on marketing and you want to talk like marketing philosophy almost more than more than press this button to make that happen. Or here's the newest trick. Um, it's you guys just somehow put together a great content over there for, again, for people who geek out on, on this kind of stuff. So I don't even have a question there. I'm just complimenting you. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that we talked about off air, which I think is um, sort of the key. And, and when I, when I teach in my classes about, content production, I use this little formula called, called write, R-I-T-E. So each letter stands for something. R is relevant, I is interesting, T is timely, and E is entertaining. And the last one is the one where a lot of people get stuck. If you think about the type of content that you like to share, chances are there's some entertainment value to it. And so today um to create a, a successful whatever video or podcast or blog or whatever there's got to be some sort of element of of show to it it kind of um, doesn't matter how good the content is if people fall asleep in the first two minutes and never get to it like if it's terribly boring yeah you're never well gonna get i mean it. if it, it the only it, the only way that would succeed is if that you're the only single person creating content in that niche right. and they don't have anywhere to go. So in 1980 Russia, you can pull that off. Yeah. But right. not exactly here. right. <laughs> yeah. Not here. Not now. Um, that's, you know, we're those, those days are over. And so, you know, we've, we've got to continue just to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's something that, that Brooke and I talk about quite often is, you know, how can we push ourselves to be, more relevant, more interesting, more timely, more entertaining. 
And so um, you can't you can't sit still. I don't and, know. I'm going to tell you, knock it off. Because if you guys get better than uh, you are now, nobody else has a chance. It's again, go listen to the podcast and then send Mark a message, give him a review, something like that, telling him to slow down a little bit. They're great already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. You're very kind. Okay. Um, anything else you want to put out there? I, I have a lot of links to send people to that mm-hmm. we're going to put in the show notes as well. But before we wrap up here, Mark, um, anything else that you want to put out that we haven't really covered on the uh, the marketing rebellion, your book, and on the kind of the human centered marketing concept? Well, I'm just uh, first of all grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you today, and I'd love for your fans to to stay in touch with me. I'm I'm easy to find if you can. Remember, businesses grow. You might not remember Schaefer. Certainly, you won't remember how to spell my name. But if you can remember businesses grow, you can find my blog. You can find my books. You can find the Marketing Companion podcast and lots of other free resources to help businesses of every size. All right. And I'm, I'm going to guess that if people were to just Google uh, Mark and B2B Marketing, they're going to find you right away. I believe you're one of the top 10 uh, influencers in the B2B marketing space. So again, for the listeners, if you weren't familiar with him already and you thought, wow, this guy seems uh, like he really knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he does. Uh, Go look him up, follow him, um, listen to his podcast, uh, subscribe to his blog, Grow. We'll put all this in the show notes. Um, Again, the the website that Mark put out there, businessesgrow.com. It's the Marketing Companion Podcast. The book, Marketing Rebellion, can be purchased Amazon, anywhere. We'll have a link on the show notes, along with uh, all the rest of, uh, of Mark's books as well. A lot of great content there. You're so topical, Mark, that it seems like some of the your previous books were ahead of their time, so now they're past their time in a sense, but still great content on the subject matter. But if you yeah. want to get ahead of the times in marketing, check out the, uh, the uh, Marketing Rebellion book, and, and you can see what's coming down the road for us. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Um, so again, find, uh, find all this on the show notes. More information on Mark Schaefer. That's at ifyoumarket.com. Uh, please share us. Share the podcast on social media. Tell a friend. Give us a good review on iTunes. That all really helps get the word out. And on behalf of myself and the If You Market team and Mark Schaefer of Schaefer Marketing Solution, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, they will come. Thank you. That was awesome, Martin. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.